0: what's up what's up another week another podcast this is your favorite football podcast the football academy i'm here to tonight with a full house with brayden and will how's it going
1: boys it's good glad to be back uh missed last week with uh some other engagements and and just uh trying to catch up on some work and school stuff so um, glad to be back Talk some promoted teams, talk some preview of the season. I'm uh we're right around the corner, boys. Like it's it's coming soon. Pretty exciting, especially if uh you're not Chelsea.
2: Remember that time that like we recorded last week and then like Premier League teams lost to MLS teams? And I know they're in the preseason, but like still, bro. Um talking about you, Everton, talking about you. Um, that's going to live on in my memory for the rest of my life. I am very excited that the league is almost back. I'm completely over every other sport right now, Uh, so I desperately need for these games to come back because I am losing my mind. Uh, But I'd be remiss to not leave my intro without saying, it's fucking coming home. It really is now. Them girls out there laying the fucking hammer down. It's, look, Wimley about to be packed. It's going to be great. They're going to bronze, loosely bronze in front of the stadium. It's going to be fantastic.
0: And right, Latune going to score the winner, bro. Um, hey. I, I, I mean, congratulations to um, the English women's national team. Hopefully, y'all do better than the men's did last year in the summer. I mean,
1: show them the congratulations. Like, there's still <laughs> work
0: to be done here. I mean, at the end of the day, getting to the final is still an achievement. It's fair. That's Hartnum's sure model sure at home. in life. Um <laughs> Having said that, I am very, very excited about tonight's episode. We've been talking about this for a while because we bring back our um, special, very, very special uh, episode where we go over all the promoted teams. But because of the season being this close, not having enough of a break, um, we are going to kind of go f- with the promoted teams and then also kind of get a little bit into our version of a season preview because, you know, we're a betting podcast. Transfer window ain't over, so we will give you what we think right now are some good futures bets, which we will come back to once the window ends and we have some time to talk about it, because the season's coming very quick, the community shields this weekend and you know, once the community shields there, it's you can feel you can feel Christmas right around the corner. on that note. very excited to talk about these promoted teams, and I'm very certain that these teams played better brand of football than what I saw from Chelsea. This past weekend when I was in Orlando, cause I shit you not, the most entertaining thing about that game was I talked to this 13 year old Liverpool fan who was sitting with his dad, and motherfucker was schooling people about school, uh, about soccer. Sorry, he was out here just fucking dropping names of Paul Nedved, fucking Zidane. Like I was just <laughs> like, I told his dad, I was like, you're partially raising him, correct? <laughs> you know, and um. Shots fired at Tuchel, if you want to say that, but you got to do something. Bowley, Tuchel, everybody, Captain America, got to get your shit together. But these teams had their shit together last season. Three promoted teams that we are going to cover. And first and foremost, we are going with the team that won the championship, Fulham, back in the Premiership. Not spend $100 million this time after they did that last year. and uh, Last time they were up and still went down. Well, why don't you start? I mean, I feel like you don't even need to go that much in depth with their history because, like, they were right here last year. We were <laughs> talking about them in the Prem. So, hey, uh, if you listen to last year's podcast, like, this is
2: my part. I get to talk about the history and all the stuff that you maybe or may not care about. Uh, but Fulham, they are in Fulham, just outside of or out the outskirts of. The main part of London, they share the same town with Chelsea. Yes, Chelsea is not in Chelsea, they're in Fulham. Get over. Uh founded in 1879, nicknamed the Cottagers, because they play at Craven Cottage, which has a capacity of 22,384, because my handwriting is shit. Uh joined the Football League in 1907. They were in the first division quite a bit from the 40s, uh throughout the 70s. They bounced, they yo-yoed. Um look. I'm going to give you Fulham's story as quick as I can right here because there wasn't a lot that happened in those times. Uh, They had some very famous run-ins with relegation when they were in the top division, came out of it a couple times. Uh, They got very close to winning the FA Cup, but they lost to the Busby Babes of Manchester United just after the accident. Um, That was the only uh, team that they faced that year in the FA Cup from the top division, and they were the only team to beat them. There you go. they almost joined forces with Queens Park Rangers at one point to become a complete team when they were in financial insolvency. God bless that didn't happen. Uh, they were bought by Mohammed Al-Fayed in 1997. He kind of brought the team back to promises, but back to prominence. Uh, this is when the team becomes that full America team that some of you may know. This is the years that we kind of know them from and I know them from because aside from putting a giant statue of Michael Jackson on from front of the stadium uh, – he was the owner who was able to uh, secure the managerial skills of one Roy Hodgson, who was able to lead them to their most successful period. They go to a Europa League final. Uh, they lose that final. They leave Lily Allen in tears. More on her in a second. Uh, but within that run, they complete a fantastic comeback against Juventus. They were down 3-1 in the first leg. They come back to win that leg at home. Thanks to... Deuce. Homie. Deuce. Deuce. Cret Dempsey... Fucking Fulham legend, and that's a legit thing. He was their top goal scorer for a couple seasons. He was the reason I kind of watched that team a lot. Him, Brian McBride, and literally the entirety of the U.S. men's national team. And at one point, Edwin Candaceau.
1: Uh, Also current of- U.S. Uh, men's national team at Atlanta United heartthrob, Carlos Bocanegra. I'm going to glaze over that as quickly as humanly possible.
2: Uh, Let's talk about their trophies. Because they are the winners of the championship in 1948, 2001, and 2022, this year. You know, that one. Uh, they also won the third division in 32 and 99. And I've been making this joke about the fucking league, the conference cup, or whatever the fuck it is, calling it the Toto Cup. Fulham won the Toto Cup in 2002. That's my favorite thing ever. Um, they wear uh, the Falcons colors. White, black, red. Uh, Their main rivals are Chelsea, because, you know, they're right across the street. QPR, Brentford, they had a very fierce rivalry with Gillingham back when they were in the lower divisions. Sadly, one of their games resulted in the death of a Fulham fan, so a lot of their older fans still really hate the actual hell out of them. The most important thing about Fulham for me, they play in London. They got famous fans. they They have the combined powers of two Hughes, both Hugh Grant and Hugh Laurie. Pierce Brosnan, motherfucking James Bond. Lily Allen, who I mentioned earlier, if you don't know any of her songs, you missed out on all the cool shit in the 2000s from Britain, so get with it. Also, her brother Alfie, you know Ms. Reek, uh, and probably their most important fan to me, Margot Robbie. I, I don't know how someone from Australia fell in love with Fulham, but um, Harley, holla at your boy. Uh, that's all the facts I got for Fulham, because, uh, you know, what else do you need to know? Oh, I'm sorry. They're also owned, Ashik Khan, whose son Tony Khan owns AW Wrestling Company. I'm sure you'll see some of them around the park.
0: The only thing I did want to add was um, the coolest thing out of Britain of the 2000s was David Beckham. Like, let's be clear about that.
2: Yo, man, smile by Lily Allen is a bop.
1: Alright, yeah, not touching either of those. Um, <laughs> I I do want to comment though, uh going back to what you to when we uh both fawned over Dempsey. If you haven't watched that goal of Dempsey against Juventus, like do yourself a favor and look it up on YouTube. It's it's just beautiful. Like it it's it's
2: He caught us on
1: <laughs> Yeah, like it, it's it's something really special. Um so on to Fulham and how they did last year. Um so they're the top scorers in the championship with 106 goals uh, scored across the competition, which is just, I think they led uh, the championship by 33 goals <laughs> scored, like it's pretty nuts. Like the next closest was way far behind them. Uh, Mitrovic scored 43 of those, uh, so pretty dependent on Mitrovic uh, for their scoring. Um, as far as incomings, uh, so far this year. They've had Jao uh, Polina, which I think is going to be a really interesting signing uh, in their midfield. Um, I, I, he's a guy who's very highly rated. Um, I, I think he'll come in and be a pretty solid addition to that team and, and maybe give them a little bit more steel there than they've had recently. I've uh, also got Andres Perea from Manchester United, uh, both under $20 million. So like uh, Sapun, I think, alluded to a little bit earlier, they'd spend hundred million pounds uh, when they came up the last two times. It doesn't seem like they're doing that this time. Uh, there's still time, of course, in the transfer market. Like they they could go crazy, but it seems like they're taking a little bit more measured approach uh, this time. I think the big thing is going to be can they keep scoring uh, like they did? Because um, it's surely it's going to be much harder. They're not going to score hundred goals in the Prem because that would basically make them title contenders, which All right, move over to Leicester if that happens. Um, For additions, they probably need to add central defense. Uh, Tim Ream uh, played the most minutes for them last season. As someone who watches the uh, U.S. Men's National Team and is very worried about Tim Ream making his way onto the bus and playing for Qatar, Uh, don't want that. So I, I think an upgrade there is something that they should really potentially look at. Uh, Another interesting signing that they had is they got uh, Menor Solomon uh, from Shakhtar, uh, which that's a really disappointing situation uh, for Shakhtar. Uh, FIFA basically ruled that the international players can leave with no compensation to Shakhtar. So that sucks for them, Um, but Fulham um, are going to get a nice little player out of it. Like he's a guy who can make some things happen and um, they're going to be interesting i i think they probably need a few more uh a few more signs of the defense to kind of shore them up a little bit uh but i don't think this is going to be a repeat of last time when they came up where it was just miserable all the time and just straight back down yeah
0: i mean uh, i will not comment on this going straight back down part but i will comment on it won't be miserable all the time because. Marco Silva did instill some very interesting philosophies out there. I think the 4 used in like 65-66% of their games, very much out of the school of the Jose Mourinho's and other Portuguese coaches that, you know, it, it it can be looked at as conservative when you don't have the players because, you know, when you don't have the players, you can't do as much. But when you do have the quality, which they do... in. Terms of the championship, you see beautiful football. Like you see crossfield passes from fullbacks, like a right back passing it straight over to the uh, left winger, cross in, Mitrovic scores, and you know that is um the essence of English football, as I will put it. um On top of that, I think as far as Fulham, just as a team goes, uh, are you can expect them to see the four-two-three-one. You're going to expect them to. S- kind of try to be a little bit more offensive. They had the second highest amount of possession in the championship last year, uh, around 60%. So again, they are a team which is going to come and try to play a brand of football that has become very common in the Premier League. So I think personally, it'll be very interesting to see how a team from the championship with lesser quality tries to contain that. Because again, if you have done that and you've been successful, it'll be hard to sell the players on something else all of a sudden. So there is that side of it. But I think ultimately, um, positional play is what Marco Silva loves to do. And that is what um, you're going to see more and more from Fulham. It's not a system de- like that is defined by just a manager. This is what we're going to do. Marco Silva definitely tries to make sure that he's trying to get the best out of his players. Um, we'll see how preseason period plays once the real season starts for Fulham. But um, overall, I think they are going to be one of the more interesting teams tactically, if you want to look at them. Because they, again, for me, more than Mitrovic, losing um, Carvalho to Liverpool at the end of the season is going to make a big impact. So we'll see how they recover from that. Um, 29% of their uh, XG came from the the midfield, came from the left-hand side. We'll see how they replace that. And overall, I think they are a team that presses. They have a structure of pressing. But as we saw with when Leeds first came in and all of these teams that try to come and uh, play very high, press high attacking football, um, you just don't have the quality to do that man-to-man the way you would like to do. So Uh, we'll see see how they come out and uh, get in line with the rest of the Premier League. But definitely, I think... um, Expect to see some more fun games. Not as fun as Clint Dempsey scoring against Juventus. But um, fun games for how they might keep track of all the other teams. So we'll see how if any of us pick them in teams to get relegated. And if the yo-yo continues the way it did for Norwich. But for now, kudos to coming up. The team that came second, um, Bio Whisker, to be honest, was uh, Bournemouth. Who beat... Nottingham Forest at home on the 41st game day in order to essentially clinch promotion. And it was an amazing game. I watched it. One nil win. I mean, um, everything you expected from Bournemouth kind of there. Will, why don't you tell us a bit more about uh, how poor Bournemouth are? So, so poor. Uh, Let's start with the name. AFC Bournemouth.
2: Low-key. It is called Association Football, right? Right. Uh, proper name. The A in AFC Born this the stands for Athletic Football Club. I don't know why that bothers me so much. Uh, but they actually uh, changed that name in the seventies so that they would come first in the order of the football league. When you would read through the, uh, when you would read through the, oh god, when you would read through the team sheet, they would suppose the AFC was supposed to get them above Arsenal. It didn't work. Uh, they were founded in 1899. They are located in Kings Park, Boscombe, Bournemouth, uh, down on the south coast. Uh, they are nicknamed the Cherries because Dean Court, the <coughs> Vitality Stadium, is built next to an orchard grove. Apparently, the place that was there next to it, or Cherries, sorry, orchard, Cherries. There were there were several cherry trees next to where they built the stadium. That's why they call them that. Also because they wore cherry red kits. They don't do that anymore. They changed the kits in 1971 because they want to look more like AC Milan or Atlanta United. If you're one of those people who believes that the world rotates around Atlanta, um, they were originally known as Boscombe FC and then Bournemouth and Boscombe uh, Athletic. Uh, they joined the Football League in 1923. They were in the third division for 35 years. They bounced between the third and fourth division before they went into administration twice in 1997 and 2008. The most important part about the Borm the story to this point is Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe comes in after being a former player at the club, leads them to a couple like a very large step. They finished second in League Two in 2010. Second League won in 2013, and they won the championship in 14 and 15. They went to the Premier League. They were there for five years. They hung out. Eddie Howe made a great name for himself being a fucking great club ambassador. Uh, Then they got relegated again, and he decided to – we ain't even going to talk about it. Um, But now they're back. I would love to tell you more about Bournemouth's history, but it is a lot of just sadness and them being kind of boo-boo trash. Until Eddie Howe. So uh, the more interesting, interesting facts about them. Uh, so if you know Bournemouth, you probably know them from the crest, which is a, a random head floating through the sky, hitting a soccer ball. That is a man named Dickie Dowsett. He is a former, he was a former striker, and the commercial manager of the team back in 1971, they, desi- they designed the crest after him. He was the person who, decided to change the name to just Bournemouth instead of Bournemouth and Boscombe and whatever the hell it was. And he's the one who came up with the AFC prefix to try to get them at the top of the table. That man has his fingerprints all over the club, and no one knows who the fuck he is. Uh, They are very fierce rivals with Southampton. I did not know that, but they are both on the same coast. Uh, They also don't like Watford and Leeds too much. Uh, They wear red and black, of course. Uh, they do have a couple trophies. They won the championship, obviously, in 2015. They won the third division in 1987, and they won the EFL trophy in 1984. They got famous fans: uh, Matt Tong, drummer for Block Party. If you don't know, listen to Block Party; they're dope. Jamie Reynolds, who's the lead singer of Claxons. Again, if you don't know who that is, you didn't listen to anything cool in the 2000s from England. And apparently, a very famous American stoner went on Soccer AM and picked a name out of a hat. And it's not a fan, so cheers to you, Seth Rogen. Here's hoping you enjoy Bournemouth still.
1: That is that is wild about <laughs> Seth Rogen, like entirely <laughs> random. Uh, there. Uh, so Bournemouth to me uh, seemed like a little bit of an incomplete team coming up. Uh they have not done uh really any uh serious business uh so far. They've not spent any real cash in the transfer market. Uh, what they have done is uh gotten Ryan Fredericks uh from West Ham. I, which okay. Um, like I, he's the definition of fine, but like I think this team really is going to need to do something if they want to, um, if they want to stay up, I feel like we had this conversation a little bit about Norwich last year, which is a team that was just not really spending the money. And, um, it seemed like they were going to have trouble and that's exactly how it played out. I kind of see similar things with, um, Bournemouth playing out this season. Uh, they do have a little bit of, uh, players that they are, are linked with. So, um, Nat Phillips from Liverpool uh, was on loan to Bournemouth last year. It, there's rumors that he's going to come back permanently now that Bournemouth are, are in the Premier League. Uh, that would be a solid addition for them. Uh, Todd Cantwell was on loan with them last year. Uh, he didn't really play that much, um, which I found very interesting because I, I rated Cantwell um, pretty decently uh, before, but um, yeah, I did, didn't get that many games with them, but... Um, one thing that I found interesting is uh, a few years ago, uh, a lot of people made a lot of fun of Bournemouth when they shelled out a significant amount of money for uh, Dominic Solanke from Liverpool. Um, he kind of finally came good last year, had 29 goals in championship. Uh, so that's not to say he's going to be able to replicate that in the Premier League, but if he can kind of get going and maybe that transfer it kind of finally pays off for them. Like I, I think that's going to be a real key to uh, keeping them up this year. Um, they need to sign some of the guys that they loaned uh, who have gone last year, who've gone back to their parent clubs. Cause I, one, one of the things, and we'll talk about this with the next team as well. Uh, one of the things I get concerned about is when major contributors to the previous season um uh, then leave the club um, and, right before the season, and that kind of breaks up what got them to the Premier League in the first place, so I think Bournemouth need to maybe get some of those guys back, or at least move a little bit in the transfer market if they want to be serious about staying up this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I just found out a share of birth there with Nat Phillips, and that he almost joined UNC Charlotte, so um, things that you find very, very interesting in life. Um, as far as uh, Bournemouth goes, it's kind of weird talking about Fulham with Marco Silva, and then Bournemouth with Scott Parker, because I just relate Scott Parker and Fulham at this point. Um, but again, a very uh, similar formation in a 4-2-3-1, double pivot, and another team that likes to you know play in that very old, oh, fascinating way of overlapping fullbacks, overlapping wingers, trying to cross the ball in. Um, Dominic Solanke, um, as Braden mentioned already, was one of their main men. He played brilliant and um he was a chelsea product that went to liverpool and then he ended up at bournemouth and i think bournemouth after having uh jordan i have really learned that you do not go and fucking pay for somebody who's not playing for liverpool because there's a reason but they did but you know what that is the reason that they came back up and i will say it's going to be interesting to see how they play because they're another team that are not necessarily a team that is um, sitting back at all times the way you we have gotten used to promote a team sitting back. But um, they do like to kind of give you a little bit more space um, defending a 4-4-2 deep block. And, and offensive transitions are very quick with Solanke up top. So if they can find spaces, they will exploit that. Um, however, they uh, deploy a very like you know, light version of, um, counter press that I do not think is conducive to being very successful in the Premier league, but we'll see if that can get anywhere. However, as already mentioned, um, you would need Dominic Solanke and company to just keep doing well as well as you would need Scott Parker to kind of also reinvent himself in the Premier league to go out and do better and get players like Nat Phillips, uh, He was a pivotal part. And um, even if you could sign somebody who potentially could be better, I think it does help when uh, you know each other and and you've kind of suffered through those tough times. Because, again, like, they had a big lead and they kept fucking up and Nottingham Forest almost caught up with them. So they were the only other uh, team promoted automatically. So bring back the players you need. Having said that, now it's time to talk about the team. Um, That... I mean, I really don't have words for how their season went. I followed them pretty closely the entire time because of a couple of players who were very, very interesting. And after eight games, like if you thought Arsenal had a bad start to the season, after eight games, they had one win, one draw, six losses, a goal difference of minus five, and sat 24th in the league table. And then a Welsh ugly ass bastard came in in Steve Cooper, changed the whole system up and brought them up. So, Will, Historic Club, this feels um, like one of the clubs you would love to cover. So here you are.
2: Yeah, this is a, when I first started following like English football. They teach you about the sleeping giants, the teams who used to be great, who eventually will return to glory. I was super pumped to talk about Leeds. I'm kind of more pumped to talk about Nottingham Forest because fuck Leeds. Uh, Founded in 1865, located in West Bridgeford, Nottinghamshire, England. If you're someone listening to this and you're wondering Nottingham Forest, yes, Robin Hood. Just go ahead and get that out of your head. It's fine. Uh, their nickname, Forest, because, you know, uh, the Tricky Trees, which I feel like was just invented by someone on Wikipedia to throw me off the trail. But I'm going to call them that because that sounds like a weed joke, uh, the Reds and the Garibaldi. When they started the club, apparently the guys decided they wanted to play in red Garibaldi caps. They were these Italian raiders who helped do something important in England in a war. I can't remember that specific part. The most important part of that story is they were very charitable in the beginning of their, uh, in their found, when they were found as a club. Uh, they helped Brighton find a ground. Uh, they helped Everton out once they got a, Once they left Anfield to also find their own ground, they also donated some of their kits to a very particular club who still wears that color today. That's Arsenal. Apparently, Nottingham Forest is the reason that Arsenal wears red. There you go. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and read the trophy list right now because this is why I'm jazzed to talk about them. They are two-time European Cup champions. They won it back-to-back in 1979 and 1980. They won the European Super Cup in 1979, beat Barcelona. Uh, They are First Division champions from 1978. That's the old Premier League, if you don't know. They beat Liverpool to get to that title. They won the championship in... 1907, 1922, and 1998. They won the FA Cup in 1898, 1959. They won the League Cup in 78, 79, 89, and 90. Double back-to-backs. The entire reason this team was good, they did get uh, some success uh, before the First World War. Obviously, with their first FA Cup, and they got another one after that. It's all about Brian Clough in this. Uh, Brian Clough. If you don't know who that is, is probably he's your manager's favorite manager. If you have any sort of desire to learn anything about managers in the Premier League or in just football in general, this man stands head and shoulders above the rest. The damn United is a great – is a fantastic thing to watch. But just after he decided, fuck Leeds, he came to Nottingham Forest, and that's when that series, that period of success comes in. Uh, he's also joined there with – I apologize, my notes just got out of order. Uh, he's also joined by Peter Taylor there with him and Peter Taylor. That's when you get the European Cups. This man is making sure that players are done drinking. He's making sure that guys get rid of their gambling habits. He is in and out of everybody's business, making sure that this team is as good as they are. He has belief in players who should not be good from the third tier of English football who show up in German clubs and German managers go, I don't know who this guy is. How the hell did they just win the European Cup? It is sensational stuff and it is some of the best old school 70s and 80s nonsense that you could ever find um I'm, I'm only skimming over it here because i can talk about this shit forever uh i'm gonna go ahead and mention hillsborough they were the other team that was there i'm not gonna get too in-depth in that because i don't need to fucking talk about that um however once the premier league age comes along brian claw finally leaves uh his successors don't do too good of a job they play in the first Premier League game broadcast on national television in England against Liverpool, because why not? Uh, they get relegated that yeah. season and come right back up and finish third. I, not even forwards don't make no damn sense. Uh, they do end up getting relegated towards the end of the 2000s, and they kind of spiral down the table real, real far. There is a reason I'm excited for these guys to be back. It's because there's, <laughs> there's so much history behind this club. There's so much there's so many passionate fans behind this club. It just seems like a great thing for them to be back. Uh their fiercest rivals are Knotts County, who play literally across the damn street. Like Stanley Park, this is closer than that. It's like a skinny body of water. And uh, Darby County, because they don't like them, they're famous fans. Um James Dean Bradfield, lead singer of Madness Street Preachers. If you don't know, don't worry about it. Uh, Stuart Broad, famous cricketer. Got one of those. Uh, and Joe Dempsey, Game of Thrones again. Fucking Gendry. Happens to be a fucking Nottingham Forest fan. Uh, for all of the history and success I talked about, you think they'd find some more interesting people to be fans of theirs who are famous, but uh, nah, just a uh, Lead singer from Manic Street Preachers. So, uh, I don't know if your children are listening. Soon, th- I can't remember the words of the fucking song. Let's just let's
1: talk about them now. It's the Midlands, like there. There's not <laughs> there fans aren't people, people there. In Midlands, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry to any Midlands listeners. Um, yeah, <laughs> at, at me on Twitter. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Force have been interesting uh, in the transfer market since coming up. Um, I'll start with some, uh, key pieces that are leaving. So, um, Bryce Samba, the goalkeeper who was really good in the, prom- in the promotion playoffs as well as Jed Spence, who is going, who is a fantastic right back prospect, uh, going to Tottenham, Um uh, two key pieces of the defense are, are leaving the club. And, um, they have been very aggressive, uh, in the transfer market so far. Uh, they've signed a number of Bundesliga or players from the Bundesliga, uh, including Taiwo Awani. I, if I butchered that, I'm sorry, Omar, Omar Richards and, uh, Musa Niakate. Um, they're very interesting profiles of players. So, um, Awani has, uh, really, really nice, um, actually per 90 uh, numbers. He's a striker. Uh, So he looks like he could be elite in terms of like getting into position and uh, and, and, uh, potentially like really producing there. Uh, But I I do want to put some pause on this because I think we've seen a number of players come from the Bundesliga, especially attackers, and it just hasn't been perfect right away. So I'm very curious to see how exactly that plays out. Omar Richards is right back. I think he's going to be a really solid replacement uh, for Spence. Um, a lot of his profiles, like if you go to Epi ref, look at the like percentiles. Uh, he rates very highly um, in things like pressures in things like uh, progressive passes and possession stats. Um, I think that's, that's a pretty good corollary for what Spence does. Um, if maybe he's not quite as explosive, as fences. Um, Nia Kata is the one who's really interesting to me. He's a center back. Um, he looks like he's a really front foot defender. Uh, his numbers really pop in areas of like pressures as well as tackles and, and interceptions. And then also very interestingly, uh, for center backs, he rates in the 80th percentile in dribbles compute completed and like in the 90th percentile on progressive passes. So uh, kind of, like the guy who could potentially lead the attack out of the back and transition from attack to defense. I think it could be a really interesting piece of that. Uh, I think they probably need to consider another attacker, um, in the transfer window. Um, Brennan Johnson led the team in goals last season with 16. Uh, Lewis Graben was next with 12, but he is no longer with the club. So I think there's a hole there. Obviously, um, they're going to expect, uh, Awani to fill that void, but we'll see. I, I think they could probably use another attacker there. Uh, maybe someone with a little bit more like English system experience uh, would potentially be a good addition there. I, I think Veghorse is out there. Like let's just like let's just run it back with with Val and have like a fucking monster on a, on a team that's barely scrapping by. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of mentioned this um, with Bournemouth. I can be a little skeptical for promoted teams uh, that lose key pieces, especially in defense, where I think more than any other part on a team, uh, defense is a unit and needs the chemistry and understanding among teammates. And so replacing, um, you know, I, I think uh, getting Dean Henderson on loan, I think it's going to be a really good piece for them. I don't think they're lacking anything with talent there necessarily. Um, But there is cohesion. There is uh, communication. There is chemistry, things that might be um, something to think about. So not so much with Henderson, but you got a new center back, a new right back. um, Could be the kind of thing where four struggle a little bit out of the gate and then uh, grow into the season as it goes on. So I think that'll be something that's interesting to watch. Um, Obviously very exciting, the improvement they had last year to – Swarm up uh, from nowhere, up to get to the, the pl- even just to get to the playoffs was very impressive. To win it, even more so. So I think it would be a fun team to watch this year.
0: Yeah, and just to carry on from what you said, like Bryce Samba, uh, big, big performances in the shootout against. Uh, I, I forget, I forget the team that they played in the playoffs. Was it Huddersfield? No, uh, Huddersfield was the final, I believe. Okay, where yeah. again, he had an amazing performance Luton-Town? at Wembley yeah luton town i believe um so it, big big performance but you know what i got I, i'm gonna trust my boy uh dino and <laughs> driving down to orlando one of the more fun stories that we got to talk about was jesse Lingard joining uh, Nottingham forest um on a free for a one-year deal i i think um like brayden mentioned earlier um you need somebody with a little bit of english experience i think Lingard on a one-year deal, like he might be making some absurd amount of money out there. I mean, up, not absurd by other standards, but you know, just for Nottingham Forest. But uh, I, I do think um, that is going to be a very, very interesting role to watch. And on top of that, I think losing James Garner at the end of the day is going to be big for them. Because he was kind of the guy who kept things ticking in the midfield. And um, they're trying to get a guy from Bundesliga in Mangala. come and replace him the deal was struck ornstein tweeted it out we'll see what happens after but um uh replacing all of these guys is not going to be easy but you know what you have to love so many sons of former players um coming and playing for their um dad's teams i mean for which no matter how much we hate um not Erling holland uh manchester city You've got Holland playing for his dad's team. You've got Charlie Savage playing for his dad's um, team at United. You've got um, Brennan Johnson in the Premier League bringing back his dad, David Johnson's uh, team, back into the Premiership. So a lot of things to look forward to, in my opinion, as far as Forrest go. But just in terms of tactics, I really, really love Steve Cooper. If you don't know him... Um, and really want to get into it, go watch the under-17 or under-20 World Cup that England won. He was a the coach there. He worked with some real world-class talents in Jaden Sancho, Hudson-Odoi, and such. The reason I use talents because not all of them panned out. Um, and it, you kind of see that in the very inventive manner of Nottingham Forest. And for me, personally, grew up uh, absolutely admiring Brian Clough. Like, um, my dad used to talk about him a lot. Um, and to be honest, like seeing... Nottingham Forest come in with a manager who's kind of different to all the other British managers we are used to. It's fun. A back three uh, straight away is something English managers hate. But he... uh, Not English. British managers, I haven't really seen them use it that much. He's come in 3-4-1-2 with the ball attack. And they attack the space. I I think if if they do get it right, there are going to be some games that look absolutely beautiful. And to be honest, I think... um, The attention to detail that Steve Cooper puts into his teams is absolutely amazing. And um, overall, they are losing a lot of experience as well. Um, A lot of the older players who have stuck through them, uh, through all of the good and the bad times, have left. So that's going to be interesting to see. But as far as this particular set of uh, players go, I think if they can get that midfield sorted out and... Get somewhat of a workhorse to replace DJ Spence. Nottingham Forest are going to be a very entertaining team to watch. I am not going to put money down on them staying up or going down. But they do have good ownership. They have outspent Real Madrid, Manchester United and company. So, you know what? Here for Nottingham Forest. And um, I'm hoping they win the league. And with that... Uh, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and, with, and with that segment, uh, that is the end of the first segment of the podcast. We're going to be back with the second segment with all our futures bets. Do you want to know who Will thinks is going to be the first manager fired? Probably Raf Hasenhul, but if it's not, hey, tune spoilers. back in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you guys. What is up, guys? Back with the second segment of this podcast and back with some of the most fun futures bets you are going to see And we're gonna, I'm gonna just say this. After this week, we are gonna start covering games where it'll be three-way money lines, and we bet on teams, we bet on games. We'll give you some parlays if we can, but we will not get to bet on the season as a whole once the season begins. So this is the one time we get to put our uh, pot box where money is, and uh, our where mouth is, and kind of go and predict how the season's going to go even though the window's not over and it's fucking july like it's not even august yet like for me this just feels weird like fuck you qatar for hosting the world cup in the winter this is a once in a lifetime season and that is why nottingham is going to win it not going to get relegated but that brings me to the first futures bet of the evening relegation teams for this one specifically since there's three of us The way we're going to do it, we're each going to pick a team, and that's going to be the pod list of um, who's going to get relegated. And uh, we'll chip in 10 cents each and uh, make a parlay out of this. So, Will, you go first, sir, because I love what you said. I just love what you said.
2: And I'm going to go ahead and just say it on air. We made these choices off air, and Sapoon took the pick. And I have been saying this all night. Bruh, fuck leads. I am a big fan of Jesse Marsh's. I, they they barely got out of it last season. And I don't think Jesse brings enough to the table that quickly. Uh, honestly, if they start floundering very early on, that man might be going and on the greener pastures sooner than we can give it to him. I think that happens. I think they have a lousy start to the season. They try to turn it around. Whoever the fuck they get in behind him screws up everything. It's a decent payout as well. I really wanted to pick a different team, but I'm going to justify it in my own head. I'm picking Leeds. Fuck them, man. I just they – play, they played inspiring football when they first came up. They played not that inspiring football most of the weeks we saw them in the last season. I don't know if they've done enough to strengthen that team. I trust the process of Jesse Marsh being a great manager, but I think this is where he falls flat on his face and has to start all over again. So fuck it. Leeds. Let's go
1: ahead. Yeah, I think Leeds have improved enough in midfield that they'll stay up. Um, And you can take that to Qatar. Um, (laughs) For my team, I'm going with Bournemouth. Kind of like I mentioned in the first part, I just don't know they've done enough to really be serious about staying up so far. Uh, This could change by the end of the transfer window. like Potentially, they go make some signings, and we're talking about a different situation. But right now, as I see it, I just don't see how this Bournemouth team stays up. Uh so at minus one eighty, I it's you know, not gonna give me a lot of money, but I I just think they're they've got some work to do to stay up. I I'ma say this. I'm not
0: American. Other than Atlanta United never really like the MLS. Yeah. And to be honest, I still think the quality could be better, even though I'm from India and we got a shittier league, whatever. Um having said all of that. If you get slapped 4-0, like, it, it's not what happened to Chelsea when they lost on pens. If you get slapped 4-0 by a fucking MLS team, I do not care if it's your first team, second team, third team, youth team, under-10s team. If you get slapped that bad, like and you have signed one player who is on a free, and you have a terrible-ass coach in Frank Lampard... Don't see how Everton stay up. It, at plus 1,400, like, Bovada, I'm mad at you that you don't sponsor us. But more than that, I'm mad at you because I feel like they know something that we don't. Because at plus 1,400, it's a no-brainer. It's a, like, it, Lampard is not some magical coach that's going to fucking instill a system that's going to make them better. And they haven't signed anybody other than fucking a
1: defender from Burnley on a free... I think it's also worth pointing out that Charleston's gone. A big contributor to, in attacking threat. Like, who's going to replace that? Certainly it, no one they've signed in the window. A big contributor
2: of passion to that team, too. Like, that's a dude who kind of drove that team as far as, like, a come on, like, very, very active, doing everything on the pitch. Like, you lose that. Other than that, scoring goals. I mean, yeah, that's fair. Uh, losing that may have an impact on some morale as well. Um, I also just want to say I always rated Minnesota United up the looms.
0: Nah, bro. The first time I saw Minnesota United, it was snowy as shit. Couldn't see yeah, the Yeah, man. But Atlanta United <laughs> post six past them. So by that – whatever that mathematical property will be, I'm sorry. My parents would be very sad. I don't know that mathematical property. But – Transitive property. Trans- transitive property. There we go. We go Atlanta United 10-1. 9-0 over, uh- <laughs> 9-0. Oh, 9 nil no. sounds better than 10-1 because we'd conceded. Brad Guzan keeping a clean sheet against the Premier League team. Did not see that happen in my life. Um, <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I mean, he could him and Brad Friedel were quite awful when they were in the Premier League. Um, all right, so those are the three. If you want to parlay them and you win, you don't owe us anything. Just
1: subscribe and like. And-
2: no, you owe me something. Fuck that.
1: John. You could at least leave a five star rating. Yeah, <laughs> maybe tell a friend. <laughs>
0: do, do not do not tell your Tell tell all your degenerates on how to come and make some money. That that is our target market right here. Um, all right, moving on. How many promoted teams will get relegated, Braden?
1: I'm going with two. I've obviously mentioned Burnmouth uh, previously. Uh, next for me is going to be Nottingham Forest. I'm just not sure they've done enough to stay up. Um, Fulham also, I like. I don't trust the track record. I, I, I kind of believe a little bit more in what they've done, but I just, I've seen this story before from Fulham. So like, I think all of them get in the mix, but I do think one of them escapes. Uh, I'm going with two at plus one fifteen. I, I think it makes a lot of sense.
2: I'm going a bit more crazy. This is one of those heart instead of head bets right here. I'm going one. Uh, Look, Bournemouth, I'm sorry. Like Y'all got a very interesting story, and I really kind of like some of the nonsense history I found on you today, but uh, y- y'all, 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 y'all ain't, y'all ain't going to be all right. Um, Fulham has to get it right eventually. If I've learned anything from the looking over this history of the club is that eventually one of these yo-yo teams stays up for a hot minute and stays there. And Fulham have a decent chance to to be that club. And I'm not going to disown that. And again, this is the head with the heart part. I want Nottingham Forest to be here. If it's Lee's and it's Nottingham Forest and all the shit that I missed in the 80s, like that's all I want, all right? The, bring back the music from the early 90s. Bring back the fucking team from the early 90s, too. I want Nottingham Forest to stay. Bournemouth, you can go. Eddie Howell's not there. I'm not nearly as interested. I'm taking one relegated team to get out of here. At plus 150, it makes me just a tidbit more than these guys. And the entire reason I'm on this podcast is to win, right? Right?
0: Yeah, bring back the 90s when Manny Nader grade and Liverpool were shit. Um, I hate you. <laughs> I mean, you handed that to me on platter. Um, really? <laughs> I'm I i going to go uh, two-plus as well. I mean, Bournemouth up there, um, Fulham don't. Like, Not I had faith in Norwich last year. You know, like, they came back. Like, it was a yo-yo club. Like, they came back up. I was like, maybe they'll do something. They even fucking sat Brandon Williams on loan. And they were shit. Like, they were shit. And um, I don't trust Fulham at the end of the day. Like, shot, I, I saw what happened with Urban Meyer and Jacksonville Jaguars. As an owner, your track record ain't great. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is all I'm going to say for now um two plus teams plus one fifteen easy money in my opinion, and if it's not then um uh, well we'll make up during game weeks um <sighs> moving on this is gonna be a very very tough pick this year condolence to Watford because you're not here you make it tough on us not being able to pick this but we do have to pick next Premier League manager to leave. And the three names on this list are absolutely mental. Like, if we took a survey of our listeners, I do not think these three would on percentile rank up there. But here we are. Will, it's your boy. So I'm going to let you go first and sacrifice him for the greater good. For
2: the greater good.
0: Um, Yeah, y'all. I'm taking
2: BR. Uh. The amount of nothing that has come out of Leicester this season and the amount of just you know, I made I made that joke about Burnley a lot, but like given their finish and just how they play throughout the season, Lester plays some beige ass football too. Like, and BR hasn't I think he's a better manager than that. I think there's not a lot happening there. I think if they get off to a rough start, they're gonna go, hey, thank you for your service. We tried and send him on his merry way. I think there's still greener patches out there for him. I still think he's a decent manager. I just don't see any movement with Lester. It seems very stagnant, and I know it's at plus 800, and it seems absolutely wild. But when I looked at that list of managers, it is not so much that he'll be fired. It's that he'll go, eh, eh, eh you can probably do something else, and toddle off. I feel like Brendan Rodgers is a steal here because I don't know if there's been enough, enough <laughs> interesting, like aside from the FA Cup, enough interesting things that have happened with Lester in these last two seasons to let me believe that he's going to be there much longer. Like they're, they're stagnant. And when you're stagnant, who's the first person to go? The dude who stagnated the water, because those are definitely words. Uh, I, I really actually feel solid about this. He's not going to get fired. He's going to leave. Brendan Rodgers at plus 800.
0: Decent amount of coin. I, I will just say this, not trying to unpack everything that you said. You picking Brendan Rodgers was the most uncontroversial thing you said in that whole thing. <laughs> Genuinely, because I do not see any no, greener pastors out there for him. But, Braden,
1: you have Yeah, I... I don't know about Brendan. Like, I didn't consider him when he's looking at the trash. List. He yeah, is yeah, yeah. Trash. Like, I and I don't think Lester has signed anyone of note in the transfer window, which that always makes me question, like, what a club's commitment to that manager is as well. So, I, it's it's more interesting than I thought it was when I just looked at the list before. So, you might be onto something. Well, we'll see how it plays out. For me, I'm going with uh, Bruno Log at Wolves. Like I, there's something to the way that the Wolves finished last season that I was just really not impressed with. And if you look at their, if you look at their team last year, there was a lot of, uh, there's a lot of very uh, like one nil wins. There was a lot of. Very close decisions that went Wolves' way and that didn't happen the back half of the season. If that continues to not happen and Wolves just don't get the results, like I can see Wolves being in a place that they really don't think they need to be. They're another team that I don't think have really strengthened that much in the transfer market so far prior to the season. So I could see them um, pulling the trigger on that plus 900. I think that's interesting. Um, So much of these are how teams think that they're going to position before like the world cup throws an interesting mix into this as far as how teams approach potentially having like a five or six week break and and whether that's the right time to bring in a manager. Like, I, I think that will be interesting. Um, So, I don't know. I think this is a year that you could get a weird answer on this one. And it's not obvious, but I just, something doesn't quite feel right at Wolves to me. I just, again, with the way they finished last season, haven't really strengthened that much. I could see a change here coming if things don't go well out the gate. I'll be
0: sad to see him go. Not going to lie. I have really enjoyed him in the Premier League. I think he's brought in, um, Some good, fresh ideas at Wolves. I thought um, it was kind of like the Portuguese Graham Potter out here with all the XG without any goals kind of situation. But, um, yeah, plus 900 makes sense. Um, I'm going to go with literally the one team outside of Leicester City that have not spent a dime in the transfer window, and that is... Everton. The only reason Everton are not lumped in with Leicester is because they signed Matt Tarkowski, who, if you remember, when Frank Lampard got fired from Chelsea, the big article that came out with Matt Law and company. Matt Law, really cool dude, loved you at Orlando, by the way. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with Everton. I don't think Frank Lampard's a good manager, and I think Everton are going to suck, and fans are going to turn on him, like the. He does. He does not have a track record of doing anything. His biggest achievement is coming in halfway through the season, keeping them up, even though that team was somewhat decent. And he spent like they signed Deli Ali, they signed Donny Van Der Beek, and all of that shit in January. But like the, I, I just don't trust him. And I, I, I think as somebody who picked everything to get relegated, I mean, the first sign of a team that might get relegated is you fire your manager pretty quick, and um. Everton, in your 100 and whatever years of history, you've never been relegated. You know what? It's not a bad time to be first. They're going to say, like, you, you do not belong in the Premier League right now. But, and you know what? I have compared Man United to Everton many times. So do not do not get offended if you're an Everton fan listening. You should get offended by Frank Lampard being a manager, though, because he's quite shit. Um. All right. That was a doom and gloom. Now we look forward. And now we look at um, partially the happiness and the sadness that could happen on Christmas Day. And this is such horseshit. And you know what? Fuck you, Qatar, again for this. Christmas Day being on top meant so much because you just went into Boxing Day with that much anticipation. And all of a sudden, we're going to go into Boxing Day after somebody's just won the fucking World Cup. It's coming home. Like, we know it, but whether it's whether it's home in the u.s or home in the uk we'll see just home in india is a little bit far away right now um
1: <laughs> I cannot it's coming it. Soccer's coming home <laughs> <laughs> if we win a guitar i hope we sing that very very loud bro yeah
0: there were things that were discussed this weekend. i'm not gonna share out here but we'll share off air um so let's let's start with the sadness because we keep we have been talking about sadness. Bottom club on Christmas. Brayden, you go first because the other two are kind of similar.
1: I, I'm keeping up my theme. I picked Bournemouth to get relegated. I've got Bournemouth to be bottom at plus 350. I, there's a few teams that I think could be um, interesting here. Nottingham Forest were plus 400. I mentioned that with their mix-up in defense, maybe they get a slow start. That's something to consider. But to me, I just look at the bit business that Burmouth haven't done, and I think it's going to be them. I think they really struggle this year. So uh, that's why I've got them as bottom on Christmas.
2: Money scoring, but I can't even sing that anymore because he's not even there. Darwin scoring all around us. Merry Christmas, Everton. I, no inspiration to me. No fucking joy to be had anywhere around them. everton is should be butt dust worst at the end of the at the at Christmas time in the season. like I have no faith in Frank Lambert he hasn't done, like you said he has not done anything to strike me as someone who has any idea what the fuck he's doing aside from losing his hair in the back. They've lost some key pieces. most of the guys they have on there now have lost a step. Again, they lost to Minnesota United, and I've seen LA United beat Minnesota United 15,762 times. Don't quote me on that. Look, if one promoted team is going to go down, that means that two teams who've been there for a minute are going to go down, and why not take the team whose claim to fame is having been there since the beginning and not done a fucking thing? Good night, Everton, at plus 1,002, which feels a very, very safe Lot of fucking money. Bavada either knows something I don't, or didn't hear my shaking Steven song. That I'm just saying that no one else probably knows, but it's fine.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go with Everton as well. But um, weren't they the better team in Liverpool in like the 19th century? I mean, like it's... right about when Tottenham were good. Hey, spoilers. <laughs> Just going to put that out there. Um, <laughs> all right, so I- I'll start with the top club on Christmas Day. I'm going to go with Manchester City, minus 150. It's a cop-out, but, I mean, uh, I I have doubts about every other team that is supposed to be challenging them. I have doubts about Man City as well, but not as uh, far-fetched as the rest. Uh, Braden?
1: I took a similar cop-out, not the exact same one. I, I went with Liverpool at plus 200. Uh, mostly... I think it'll be a toss-up. I think Liverpool have... Well, I don't think they have better uh, slightly better odds. They do have slightly better odds. At plus 200 versus minus 150, I think the teams are pretty even, and you might see Liverpool just edge it. That's really all I've got.
2: I need you boys to embrace silly season a little bit more, because hashtag believe in the bottle. <laughs> I am picking Spurs. To be top at Christmas. I do think that there's something good happening at Spurs and I do think they're going to have a very very good season and I think it's going to be good enough to maybe be just a point above City or Liverpool at Christmas. Uh, I think they get a hot start. I'm not going to say bottle as if they fall out of the top four or some nonsense like that. They'll still be hanging around there. They're still a very very good team not just on paper but based on the strength of what they brought in. Hey I got no qualms with putting myself out on a limb here and picking a different team aside from the two who we know. I think if you are looking at teams who are going to make a legitimate challenge, maybe not just in the league, but maybe in, you know, cups or domestic cups and, you know, European things and things like that, I think you have to look at some of the other teams who are in that six to make that jump. And I think that after years of us, you know, poking fun of them all the time, I think maybe Spurs can turn the corner here and uh, finish in third solidly instead of uh, winning anything. Uh, They're still going to bottle it. It's still going to be sad. But, uh, you know, they get to have a Merry Christmas for once in their fucking lives.
0: I'm going to just say, um, if Tottenham are top of the league going into the World Cup, I will have huge questions about people who have told me how well run all of the other top five clubs are. England's losing the World Cup, that comes true. I mean, Hurricane didn't make it to the World Cup, if that is true. Um, I right. going from uh one interesting time because I think there are very few teams that have actually lost the league after being top on Christmas Day. Arsenal famously, sorry, Brady, have been there multiple times. Um, including I was it yeah I think top of the league when Leicester won it. Um, so another North London club being on top. I know you give me that weird face, but I, I do think it was Arsenal on top in that 2015-16 <laughs> season. If not, I mean, if it was Tottenham, that would just make it even better, because Nottingham Forest is going to win the league. <laughs> but. You got two more times to say it, and if that shit comes through, we're putting you we're, we're putting you on TV. Bro, I, I have a James Carr in Nottingham Forest jersey. If Nottingham Forest win the fucking league, I will party at the brew house like uh, it's twenty nine eighteen again. Like, done it before. But we'll do it again. Um, moving on, top six uh, or top without the top six. So this is not just the top six in like in terms of the table. This is I would assume the top six in Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea.
1: It's a know, traditional big set. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I was thinking about all the great teams that have won trophies in my lifetime, and then sorry, forgot. Blackburn about. Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right,
1: Brayden. So for me, um, I'm taking the money on this. Um, I think there are other very valid choices here, but at plus 1,400 and what I think is a good up-and-coming manager, a good young team, I'm going Crystal Palace. Like I think that it, there's maybe some decisions to go with. Uh, is Zaha going to move? There's some rumors of that going out there. I think that would hurt their chances of this a little bit, even if it might be in the best long-term interest of the club. Um, But I think it would hurt them a little bit this year. So we'll see how the rest of the transfer window shakes out. But I like the business they've done. Um, I think that they're in a really good spot to kind of kick on from the platform that they set up last year. And they've got some young players that they develop just a little bit more are going to be scary. Like that's the – if any of those guys have like an exponential just like breakout season, there could be havoc <laughs> in the in the Premier League because you've got Eze coming back from his injury. Elise is a baller. Like there are good young players there at Palace who if they take a step are gonna be a problem. So I've got Palace plus fourteen hundred. Good risk reward uh upside here for me i think well when i when i looked at the list
2: uh there's one team that stuck out and y'all already know what it is i'm gonna take newcastle here uh it's not just because i'm gonna be the fucking newcastle dude it's because i do think that they're going to build upon what they did from the last season i think eddie howe coming in is a great managerial choice I think they have talent on that team, and if he nurtures the talent that they have and they go ahead and spend all of the money that I've used on gas to QT for the last couple of weeks, I think that this team can finish solidly within not just the top 10, but possibly make some noise and have some European competition in St. James's Sports Direct, Jesus Arena, whatever the hell they call it now. Um, plus 225, it feels a bit chalky, um, if only because... It was the most chalky of the bets I could make. But all the improvements they made to go from cannon fodder to serious business club, even without the money involved. There's something good going on there. uh, Football wise, there's something good going on there. There's something to be built upon. And I just kind of I always kind of dig Newcastle. And I feel like they're going to have a decent, decent run of things this season. So plus 225, why not take it? Uh, I will also note that I told Brayden he took my pick after I already wrote Newcastle, so he didn't take my pick. He just reached inside my brain and took one of the few good thoughts I've had today, you
0: jerk. Yeah, I just started watching Manifest, so um, (laughs) reaching inside somebody uh, (laughs) very, very fascinating to me right now. Um, I mean, I don't know what y'all are smoking, but I'm going to go with West Ham. I, I think they have done some amazing business. Skamaka almost joined PSG and instead came to fucking West Ham. Like, he, it, 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 people don't realize this. Out Like, this was a player that was recruited by one of the richest teams in the world. And top six teams didn't even look at him or might have looked at him and were like, you know what, we can get somebody better. Some did, some didn't. And then West Ham, out of all teams in England. We're like hey, we'll take you. And I, I think that's a phenomenal um, striker that they could have gotten. Pressing monster, in my opinion. And I, I have to take him, Like a plus 400. I, I think Newcastle are doing bits. I think Crystal Palace are doing bits. But West Ham are the proven product. The only thing that uh, makes me not 100% certain that they're going to be the top without the top six is the fact that. They kind of fell apart at the end of the season last year with the Europa League. And, you know, they can carry over to the next season. But a, a lot of the bigger teams have seen that before. So, it um, will be very fascinating to see how it works. But I do think this is going to be Declan's last season. I think they're cooking something special out there. And at least to get seventh, I I think they're aiming for Europa League at the very least. Um, And to be honest, wouldn't mind them. Be up there over, um, fuck Palace and Newcastle. That's all I'm going to say. All right. This is, this should be (laughs) wild because I feel like half the people are going to listen to it. They're going to go mad. Top six without Liverpool. I'm going to spoil it for everybody because we all picked Arsenal. So I'm going to go first. I I saw them live. Saka is a lot bigger in real life than I remember him on TV. Might have just been me being drunk. But um, he looked a lot bigger, and uh, I'll take my chances. I've I've been telling everybody this summer, Arteta's good, and I'm going to take my chances. Whoa. I've gotten to see bits.
2: One of the benefits of doing this podcast is because I like these guys as human beings, I watch their clubs a lot. And I feel like there has been an exponential amount of growth in Arsenal. And even in watching their preseason, I feel like this is a team who – I just think they're going to put it together. I think the youth finally comes to fruition. I think they got some solid pieces. I really dig the Gabriel Jesus like move. Like, I think that's absolute brilliant business for what they lost, what they got. A dude who comes in and looks like he's about to be a beast. Like, I'm not jazzed about it because '89 is the thing that I'm told to remember, even though I was one. But, like, (laughs) I really do think that this team is going to have a whole hell. Of, low key, it's going to be really saucy. It's going to be a nice team to watch, and I think that if you take certain other clubs out of the equation, who think they are good but then you know also lose an MLS team, <laughs> um, I think Arsenal might be. They're about to do some shit, and it's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, dare I say a trophy of some sort? Maybe not one that
1: we're expecting, but who knows? Braden, don't shoot. me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go slightly uh different from you guys on this. Like for me it was mostly that Arsenal were at plus five hundred. Um uh, Spurs were at plus one seventy, Chelsea at plus one eighty five. I-, I do think that Arsenal are in a better position than Chelsea right now. Um that can change, but like I there's no way I'm taking Chelsea over Arsenal wouldn't you factor in those odds at this point right now. I, I think Spurs are the big one. Like I I think a lot of people have made a big deal about how the end of last season happened and fair enough, but like the gap really wasn't that big. The gap was 1 minute at Leicester. Like that that really was the difference between these two teams last year. And Spurs have gotten better so have Arsenal um but to me that's not worth the difference from plus 170 to plus 500 uh so that's why I'm taking Arsenal um I I don't know how the season's going to play out obviously but the value I think is there for Arsenal fair enough um I I will say um
0: Arsenal just seem more exciting than Tottenham um right now and to be fair like yeah, people have overestimated talking before and seeing how Harry Kane and um stay injured, stay healthy, all of that shit. Kind of hurt that none of you mentioned Man United, but you know, I didn't mention Man United either, so here we are. Um, I right, top two in either order. Um, Will, you got the wildest odds, so I'm going to let you go first. At plus
2: 5,000, I do have the wildest odds. Uh, look, I'm going to be straightforward with you. I did take this because of the odds. But based upon what I said about capitulation, based upon how I just feel as a human being, and based upon being a fucking homer, at plus 5,000 odds, I got one and two being your boy, your boys, uh, Liverpool. And then Arsenal, I, it seems wild. And I feel like it's completely wild because I feel like there's still a whole hell of a lot going on at City that should say that they should finish above Arsenal. And I should not, you know, try to say it too out loud. But I do feel that City will take a step forward the season after this and probably do something nonsensical because City occasionally work like that. But in this one moment, I think that Arsenal and Arteta could just possibly pip them right there at the end. I think maybe Liverpool comes out swinging. Maybe they establish a decent lead and it's kind of already done and Arsenal finds a way to finish second just at the end of the season. It sounds crazy. Crazier things have happened. Um, Yes, it is me blatantly picking my own fucking team to win the title, but also, fuck you. Uh, It's really more about me kind of having a little bit of faith that, like, Arsenal has to turn the... I keep talking about Arsenal turning the corner. Let's just go ahead and get that shit out of the way. A second-place finish in a season which you're kind of expected to be threatening for the top four and maybe a little bit above that would be a big boon for Arteta, and I think he's due for that. So I'm going to put Arsenal second. But uh, also, I want to have fun again, and I want to win shit. So eat my ass, Liverpool and Arsenal. Not, Y'all know what I mean.
1: I, I'm i going to be boring. I, I'm going to take City and Liverpool at minus 145. I just think mm-hmm. these two teams are... So much farther ahead than other teams. Look, it's a weird year—the World Cup. Like, it's probably the year to choose something crazy to happen. So, fine, but I—I I just think that potentially Liverpool might be more vulnerable to craziness. Like, when you think of the year that they uh, struggled a little bit with injuries and such, like potentially there's there's an argument for them but i i just think that both of these two teams have the depth, have the talent. I I don't see them I I see it being very similar to last year and maybe it's a little bit closer, it's like so maybe they're both around like 89 and 90 points instead of uh, where they were at last year, but I expect them to be pretty far ahead of most teams this year. That's not a statement. All teams, really.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will say that City-Liverpool is probably the easiest bet to go with. And to be honest, this is one season. I think people are going to come in with expectations and still get disappointed with those two. But you know what? Fuck all of that. I'm a little drunk. I'm a little high. So I'm going to just go on and say this. I think we are going to see Liverpool capitulate. Fuck Antonio Conte. Yeah. Fuck Thomas Tuchel. Everyone with me? Fuck Pep Guardiola. Yes. yes. Like all, <laughs> all agree. Fuck all of them. So I'm going go with top two. Arsenal and Manchester United at plus fifteen thousand. It's not gonna happen. And I do not think you should bet your money on that. But you know what? I think if the window ended right now, there are question marks about everybody. Like, I look at Liverpool, I think there's midfield questions. I look at Man United, midfield questions. I look at Arsenal depth questions. I look at City, um, human rights questions. I look at Spurs, um, Antonio Conte questions. Like, there are a lot of questions to be answered. And uh, to be honest, I I think um, if we're having fun, why not? Just have fun. Arsenal, Man United. I, I, I would love to see Arsenal win the league this year. Like, I'm not even an Arsenal fan. If it's not Nottingham Forest, if it's not Man United, um, I would like for Arsenal to win the league. Just gonna say that. All right, moving on to the last futures bet. This is where we put a lot of um, FPL intake on who you should have starting week one, because week one starts next weekend. Golden Boot, final one, one of the the more important um, awards that get given. The Golden Boot really should be given to somebody who controls every game but they give it to the guy who scores the most number of goals. And um, for that reason, people think Mo is a good player. Um, will, I'm going to come to you first. Who do you think is going to win the Golden Boot?
2: Ah, oh, just fucking give him one already. I'm picking Sonny Boy, man. Uh, I I don't know if he can keep up the production that he's had, and I don't even know if the Spurs team is going to be able to get him the ball as much as they have. Spoiler alert, they will. Um, Spurs got to do something, right? Why not give the dude the golden boot? He is, like, unironically one of my, like, I like him as a player in the league. Like, I just like watching him play. I can't sit here and lie about that. I'm sorry, Braden. I know it sucks. But, like, if I have to see anybody on that list with a golden boot, at the odds that they're at because everyone else's odds were completely ludicrous, and I know y'all are expecting me to say fucking Ollie, Ollie Wilkins or some nonsense like that, Ivan Tony, Yeah, no, not saying that this time. I'm going to go with my brain and pick the dude with the lowest odds, but the highest odds of the dudes with the lowest odds. So I'm going to go. The human son he's going to get the golden boot this time. There's no sharing, no shared national championships like Georgia Tech. I know Allison can hear me. It's okay. None of that shared shit. He's going to win it outright. No one else is going to score any more goals. And if you pick Holland to be the golden boot, I'm coming to your house and I'll put your head through a window, because that's some nonsense right there. And I'll say the same thing for Darwin Nunez. No, no. Pick some experience, pick someone you know, or just be a complete asshole and pick your favorite striker. Because also,
1: it's it's gambling. Why well, not have fun? Similar to before, I'm I'm gonna be boring. Like I, I think <laughs> that uh, uh so it was interesting with Holland being the favorite um to to win this. Um and Bavada, I I see why he is, but I think that's a little crazy. Uh, for me, um, if I'm going with City or Liverpool to win the league, City spread the goals around too much. Maybe that changes. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, the team that is probably has a strong goal concentration in one player and scores the requisite number of goals to have that guy win the golden boot is gonna be Liverpool for me. I'm going most a lot because he's done it year after year. He's in the conversation i it, plus five hundred seems like fairly easy money. I'm intrigued by what I see on the sheet for sapoon next, so I'll let him go <laughs> you know what
0: the My pick is pretty straightforward. I think he is a very good player who is very underutilized and he is 24 25 years old right now um and he's going to come in good gabriel jesus i think arsenal play a brand of football that allows your attackers to score a lot of goals i think arteta is very good at positioning um again going back to like tactics positional play that is what arteta does very very well in my opinion and gabriel jesus plus 1400 If you're going to give somebody who's fucking kicked around in a league where defense is optional at plus 375, I'm going to take Gabby Jesus at plus 1,400, Like, period. I think he's coming to a team where he's going to be prominent. He's coming to a team where he's going to be the main man. And let's all remember, before Liverpool started winning leagues and Champions Leagues and all of that, Salah had a season that people don't remember. I mean, I guess people do remember because he broke his hand at the end of it. But uh, he had a season and a half. When he first came to Liverpool. And I think Gabi Jesus, given the position he plays, given he can play across the front three, given that he's already been with Arteta at Man City, and given that he's Brazilian, I think is going to be absolutely fucking mint this season. And I'm going to take Gabriel Jesus at plus 1400. This is as of uh, Tuesday, 26th of July, year of our Lord, 2022. Us making these predictions. There are a lot of things that can change between now and the end of the window. There's more than a month left. And obviously, shit can happen. However, for now, these are our bets. We're going to come back next week with some Premier League bets. We get to bet on games again, boys. So, here we go. 38 game week season. First week coming up next week. These are our futures and the promoted teams. Hope you enjoy. Like, subscribe, rate, and please share. If you share it with one person every week, we'll have a lot more people. Thank you so much, and fuck Liverpool. And fuck Orlando. Orlando is a trash-ass city.
2: Agreed.
0: God. Here, here.
2: Frank Kirby, I love you.